What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Four big games this weekend. We are going to talk about them and give you some awesome DFS lineups, I hope, anyway. We're going to talk about the top six running backs in our rankings for 2023. I would say, what do you think, guys? Kind of easy top four, and then it gets tricky? That's how I felt. Mm, I'm going to say it. there seems to be a consensus top four, and I will guess a consensus top seven. So it's kind of like what we talked about the quarterbacks earlier this week, where there's like one tier and then the second tier. And then after that, it might be a free-for-all. What do you think, Chris Towers? Oh, hello, Chris Towers. Hello. I Yeah, I think there's a clear top two. I think there's probably a next tier but I think it's much less clear after the top two. I think like you can start to make cases for guys starting at four, I would say, but the the top two and really top three is probably in cement already. Top three. Ooh, I, I disagree. I already changed my number three. I already wow. flip-flopped three and four. Um, well, anyway, we'll talk about that shortly. <laughs> also, do you think the top two is set in stone in a half PPR league or a non-PPR league, or is that strictly a full PPR thing? Because obviously you're talking about McCaffrey-Eckler. I don't know that Eckler is number two in a a non- or half PPR league. Excuse me, I was talking about Kareem Hunt and Jamal Williams. (laughs) Oh, my bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think there could be some serious consideration, especially in the case of Eckler, of not being there in a non-PPR setting. Yeah, I mean... McCaffrey's number one. Uh, Eckler in half PPR was number one per game. Oh, he's not number one? Not in PPR, for me, anyway. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. Woo. Wow. 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 All right. Uh, anyway, that's Chris. That's Dave. I'm Adam. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday, everybody. Get ready for uh, a fun weekend, I think, of football. It should be really good. 
Um, I had a tough time with DFS because I, there's only one team that I really want to avoid, and that's the Giants. Right? I mean, I feel like it's going to be a high-scoring game, and then, of course, that means high-scoring weekend. Of course, that means the Giants are probably the best contrarian pick, uh, but we've got some really good offenses remaining here and, honestly, some some uh, bad defenses. That's the second half of the show. First half is the rankings, and why don't we get to that after I... This is, little bit random. I want to give an upset pick, but can I only get credit if it happens? And no, no, no. blame if it doesn't. But I don't no. really. <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of think the Jaguars are going to win. So here's here's, I, what I'm, here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I, I may even pick them to cover. I don't know, but there's just, and it's a big spread, but there's just a part of me that really thinks the Jaguars are going to win. And I don't know if they do win. What what does that mean for me as a selfish person here? What does that mean for me? Do I no get any cares. credit? No one cares I, about I mean, anything that happens to any of us individually. They I think it's so it. unlikely that the Jaguars win that, like, I would give you some small amount of credit, a modicum of credit, a Sushan hmm. of credit. Okay, okay. It does. It doesn't make sense to pick against the Chiefs. They're so good. And they're at home. And, uh, so then, why would you even? Because I just feel on it. it. I'm just feeling. Look, can we talk about the Chiefs the last three years? Let me see. They like, won. They won like the, the Super Bowl. They lost in the Super Bowl. They lost in the conference championship game. Mm-hmm. Follow the pattern. They're going to lose so in like, the divisional like the game. Case That's why like, you're picking Jacksonville. <laughs> the Jaguars were nine and eight in the regular season, but seven and one over their last eight games. That's really impressive. You know who's also seven and one in their last eight games? The Chiefs. The Chiefs. Yeah. Chiefs. Yeah. I believe they are 10 and 1 in their last 11. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just like the Chiefs can't really stop anyone, you know? And then they have a history of playing better defense late in the season, but it hasn't really happened. So, I mean, the Broncos scored against them. I think the Jaguars are going to score. That's what I think. I think they held the score. Seahawks to 10 and the Raiders to they, 13. Yeah, they still had the Stidham Raiders to 13. Yeah, but, I, but the Seahawks are the right. You can throw out. No, lo- no lock in that game, I think, but that was still impressive. The Stidham Raiders, who put up 34 against the 49ers. Let's not That's forget. That's true. <laughs> All right, last word, Dave. Jacksonville should have blown out the Chargers last week, if not for the turnovers in the first half. I think it would have been a much different game if Trevor Lawrence could keep the ball out of uh, Los Angeles's hands. So maybe there's going to be a little bit more of an emphasis on not turning the ball over and not taking as many chances, but I don't know if that's really who they are at this point. I think they like being aggressive. I like. I think they like keeping their foot on the gas. I think they like their run game. I agree with you that Jacksonville is going to put up points. I just think Kansas City is going to put up more points. Yeah. And I think it'll be an entertaining game. And I, I don't think that Jacksonville will lose by uh, like nine or ten points or anything like that. It'll be a one-possession game that Jacksonville will put up a hard-fought effort, but it'll be Kansas City who will make fewer mistakes, and they will win. Yeah, they'll probably win, but... Just, just letting you know, I now, want to pick Jacksonville. <laughs> now, let, let's do this the way it should be done. Would you like to hear an upset pick from the weekend? That yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I only want credit for it if it happened. <laughs> well, you should. Like, it, the pick is on CBSSports.com. I pick every game straight up and against the spread during the season. Don't ask how I'm doing because it's not great. But I'm taking the Cowboys to beat the 49ers this weekend. Seems reasonable. I mean, like, Brock oh, Purdy's okay. gotten a lot of credit. I thought I was and, being bold. But like he was reasonable. begging for an interception 
in that first playoff game. They did, he didn't get it, mm-hmm. but like he is like it's a great story. I think he's pretty good. He clearly like has the brain for playing quarterback at the NFL level. I don't think he has the physical skills, but like there is a there is a world in which he has a three or four interception game, and he doesn't play that differently than he has so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I just, I'm not really sure the Cowboys can run the ball. I think that, you know, they will be one dimensional. It's going to be in Dak's right. hands. And honestly, like the 49ers. That worked out well for them last it week. It did. And the 49ers, they struggle against receivers. And yeah. this, they're not going to be able, they're probably not going to be able to pressure the quarterback this week the way they usually do. We know how good the Cowboys offensive line is playing. Yes. So, uh, I, uh-huh. unless, I think You're I said this yesterday. You're making the case for me. No, You're I agree. And, and, and I'm there's picking also the Niners, like, but I think it's a good pick. I think it's a good upset pick. I, I feel like people have been, like, waiting for, a, like, reason to root against that or, like, to say Dak Prescott's overrated. I feel like that's, there's, like, constantly this drumbeat and, like, six different times this season his receiver had his receivers had the ball go off their hands and into a defender's hands and that was the excuse that people used to say see i told you Dak prescott's not that good and like mm-hmm. no Dak prescott's really really good uh, he doesn't have a great history you know against good teams so this if he can win this game sure. he can almost erase everything this would be a huge win for him um, yep. and honestly, gets, the, the, Buc- the Bucks aren't a good team. So no, <laughs> that's true. No disrespect they blew to Dak, out the Bucks. Yeah, they did. They and did the Bucks on the them. defensive side of the ball is better than the Bucks on the offensive side of the ball. All right. Let's uh let's get to our running back rankings here. And sports line, I'll tell you about that. If you want some picks for this weekend, if you want some fantasy advice next year, or some DFS picks or some player props, those types of things. Sportsline.com, 99 cents for your first month when you sign up using the code tackle. You will not regret it. You will love it. 99 cents for your first month when you use the code TACKLE. Go to sportsline.com and sign up with that promo code TACKLE. What an awesome website. Great resource for you sports fans. Top six running backs. We'll probably talk about more than six guys, but uh, who are one and two? Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. Big shocks, right? Shock waves going through. With those two being at the top, Chris, I thought top you said McCaffrey wasn't one on, on a PPR game basis last year. Okay, yes, yeah, so so Dave and I have McCaffrey and Eckler, and and Chris, what do you have? Yeah, it's Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler in some order. Some of us may have Austin Eckler number one, but it's one of those two guys. I think fairly easily. Okay, why do you have Eckler one? And let me let me see if this matters to you. Um, he averaged 7.1 catches per game in the first 12 games of the season. That's Eckler. And he averaged only four point only 4.4 catches per game in the last five games of the season with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So I don't think that included week 18. I don't think, um, when, at, when Williams got hurt, but, uh, or maybe I, I don't rem- Honestly, I wish I remembered because I don't remember if Eckler came out early in that game, but, but. Bottom line is there was that five-game stretch with Allen and Williams, and the catches went way down, 4.4, down from 7.1. So is that a factor for you? I think you can take that into account, but I I think that's sort of weighting things unfairly in Christian McCaffrey's favor because you also have to take into account the very significant workload changes that resulted when Elijah Mitchell was healthy and able to play. And now I know that's been a big issue for him in his career, but when Elijah Mitchell's been active, even when Christian McCaffrey's there, we've seen it in a handful of games. I think it's four times that those two have played together since McCaffrey got to San Francisco, uh, not counting 
the game where McCaffrey was traded. I don't know if my, Mitchell was healthy for that one, but they've played four games and Christian McCaffrey's averaged like 16 PPR points per game. He's averaged four catches and four and a half targets per game in those four games. His rush attempts have gone down only 9.3 per game uh, in the, or actually it's like 10.5. I didn't include the, the playoff game and the rush attempts calculation. And look, it's a small sample size and you can say, well, they blew out the Seahawks and then some of Mitchell's carries came. But I think it comes down to the 49ers just have a math problem for fantasy football. And and we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but the tra- the presence of Trey Lance at QB could potentially make that math problem even more difficult because he's probably not going to throw to the running backs as often. He's going to take some rushing touchdowns. So I just think Eckler's got a a more clear path to sustaining the kind of touches he needs than McCaffrey does. Chris, what happens if the chargers address the running back position and they get a physical grinder to come in and, and take some work off of 28 year old Austin Eckler's plate? I think that's a potential issue, but I also think like he actually didn't have nearly as many goal line touchdowns this season as he did the year before. He scored a bunch of touchdowns from like 10, 12, 13, 20. I think he had like eight touchdowns from outside of the 10-yard line this season. And maybe you can say he won't sustain that, but Austin Eckler is such an explosive player that I think that's always going to be a part of his game. I think, yeah, it's possible that they grab someone, but we've been waiting for that to happen. Like we've been saying that's going to happen each of the past two seasons, and it has. They've tried. They just haven't. They have tried resources, right? And maybe they'll go out and invest a second-round pick, or maybe they'll go out and, and add somebody. But like this is a team that. Their costs are about to start ballooning with uh, you know, Justin Herbert getting close to an extension. So they're gonna have to have that discussion. I just it's possible that happens, but it's not as big of a concern for me as the fact that Christian McCaffrey already has that competition. All right, Dave, right, let me it, let me it, let me I think we you know let's talk about the other guys, I think, right? Like, <laughs> okay. Right, yeah, fine. just just to move it along. Um number three and number four, Dave. Who do you got at number three and number four? Jonathan Taylor, man, he's going to be number three for me. Old habits die hard. He's such a talented running back. It was a terrible situation this year for Indianapolis. I am counting on the Colts. Oh, boy, this is going to sound bad. I'm counting on the Colts to get it right. Get it right when it comes to the offensive line. Get it right when it comes to the play caller. And this might be the biggest reach of all. Get it right when it comes to the quarterback. If they come through on those things, then I think the situation will drastically improve for Jonathan Taylor, who should enter September as the most reliable part of the Indianapolis offense. And so I don't see his role slowing down. If they manage to get a conservative-ish play caller, then we're talking about 20 touches weekly for Jonathan Taylor. I'd be a big fan of that. I know they've got other running backs on the roster. I don't know if they've got a guy that's definitely going to take work away from him every single week to the same tune as Elijah Mitchell slash J.P. Mason from Christian McCaffrey or Isaiah Spiller slash Josh Kelly slash whoever they add at running back from Austin Eckler. And I still think, still believe that he can lead the NFL in rushing, that he can lead the NFL in rushing touchdowns. I think he's still a phenomenal talent. I think the high ankle sprain harpooned his season. He's number three for me. And then Saquon is fourth, just expecting him to stay in New York, uh, counting on Brian Dayball to continue to use him well. Wish you'd get a little bit more work late in the season and into the playoffs, but how can you sneeze at two touchdowns? And I think that offensive line used to be such a weakness for the Giants. Adam, you know this. It's going to be even better next year than it was this year. 
And I, I, I see almost kind of a lot of the same things I said about Jonathan Taylor happening for Saquon Barkley, but it's already happening for Saquon. It just hasn't happened yet for Jonathan Taylor. I'm hoping that it does. Those guys are three and four. Okay, so you go Taylor, Barkley. So for Dave, it's McCaffrey, Eckler, Taylor, Barkley. For Chris, it's Eckler, McCaffrey, and then who's three and four? Taylor, Barkley. I think it's the same order. Taylor, it's just the the this was pretty close to a worst-case scenario for him. I don't think things are going to be as bad for him next season. And, you know, with Barkley, there was that weird second-half swoon. From week 11 on, he had as many finishes outside of the top 30 at running back as he did inside of the top 12. And that was despite his target volume actually going up. In that span, we think the the Giants are going to make some additions at the receiving core and make the offense a little better. But, you know, it's also like Barkley, I think he had 80% of the Giants running back fantasy points entering week seven or week 18. I didn't count week 18 in that calculation, but he didn't play. That was (laughs) what's that? Yeah, yeah, week 18. So, yeah, uh, one of I think it was one of the two highest marks in the NFL. So there's also room for someone else to come in and just have a role, even if it's four touches per game. That would be more than we usually saw. So I do think there's just, I also think Jonathan Taylor's probably a better player and he's got that home run potential uh, as a rusher that, you know, I just, I think it's a combination of similar ceiling, higher floor for Jonathan Taylor, probably. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that um, Taylor is a better player. I think Barkley, you know, obviously we thought of him as the best running back in football not too long ago at, I'm just really encouraged by the way he's finished the season. So I had Taylor then Barkley, just like you guys. But after the Minnesota game, after the playoff game, I did flip it. And the reason why is, look, I don't know who's a better player. They're obviously both elite talents. I don't know what happened to Barkley in that second half when you were talking about. It was weird. I think he maybe got a little overworked. He had like a 30-carry game or 35-carry game against the Texans, something like that, and then seemed to falter. But also Daniel Bellinger was out for a lot of that stretch, and Bellinger's shown to be a great blocker. He's basically their fullback. I mean, obviously we know him as a tight end, but you watch where he lines up. He's an H-back. He's he's the lead blocker on a lot of runs. When he came back, I think it really helped him. He just seems to have found it again. I think he's more dynamic in the passing game than Jonathan Taylor, without question. He's a better receiver. Uh, but the reason I flipped Barkley ahead of Taylor, guys, is because I just have a ton of faith in the Giants' offensive coaching staff. I think they're brilliant. I think they are scheming so well. It's amazing watching these wide receivers. Look at their wide receivers. They're Who are they? Hodgins, Slayton, and James, and they're scheming them wide open on on all these plays. So I just have a ton of faith in the Giants. I think the Giants' offense is actually trending up, and I'm I'm trying not to be too skewed by recent games against the Vikings and the Colts, but I have a, a lot of faith in the offensive staff there, and I'm just a little bit concerned about the Colts' direction. You know, Dave's is laying out the scenario where they get everything right in the offseason. They haven't gotten everything right in the offseason in a while. They've gone no. retread quarterback after retread quarterback, and it just hasn't worked. Their offensive line was a strength. It isn't anymore. So I, I just, look, they're three and four, so it's not right. We're, we're splitting hairs here. But I have more faith in the Giants' offense going forward than I do in the Colts' offense, and that's why I put Barkley ahead of Taylor. That's why I flipped them last week. I have tried to avoid, like, it can't get worse type of analysis because it can always get worse. You look at the Colts' offense this year. Uh, it got like, worse. Yeah, like, we, we didn't think, oh, man, Carson Wentz was such a disaster. It, it, it can always get worse, you know? And so I I want to avoid that kind of thought process, but that's part of it with, with Indianapolis is just like, we saw Jonathan Taylor be the number one running back with Carson Wentz as his quarterback. So clearly 
he can only be held back so much by the situation around him. Well, right, can't so you I, say the same thing about Barkley? Because we saw Barkley be the number one running back with Daniel Jones as his quarterback. I think it was rookie Daniel Jones, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, was it? Was he the number one year. running back that year? Second. I thought that was he Eli was, year. Like tied for, uh, he was number one or he was tied for number one or something like that in PPR. Um, I thought that was Daniel Jones. I could be wrong. I'm checking. Yeah, I can check right now. I think you might be wrong. It was Barkley's rookie second. season, right? That was an Eli Daniel Jones' rookie season was 2019. Yeah. Saquon that year, 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. That was the year he was dealing with the high yards and two touchdowns. That's not the profile of a number one running back. What, 2019, you're saying? 2019, yeah. No, 2018, I guess. So maybe it 2018 was... 2018 was Saquon's rookie year, but that okay. was with Eli. 2019 so was, Eli. was Daniel right. Jones' rookie Eli's was bad that year, as I recall. But... Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, they, they both... Like, that's fan. the thing. They're both amazing running backs at their yes. at their best. Um, yeah, Bar- Manning threw 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and 16 games that year. All right, anyway, let's go to five and six here because this is where it gets really interesting. Um, all right, who do you got? Chris, I'll let you go first. Who's five and six? So you go... Eckler, McCaffrey, Taylor, Barkley. Dave goes McCaffrey, Eckler, Taylor, Barkley. I go McCaffrey, Eckler, Barkley, Taylor. We all have the same top four in some order. I think things are going to change a bit here. Five and six, Chris. Gigantic asterisk on number five, but it is Josh Jacobs for now. And then Derek Henry at number six. And Josh Jacobs, I think if he goes back to Las Vegas, the situation with Josh McDaniels, the fact that they used him so heavily. And Josh McDaniels did exactly what Josh McDaniels offenses always do, which is produce a ton of points for running back. So I think if he returns there, he's my number five. And I'm just going to assume he is for now because that's the status quo. And then Derrick Henry. I mean, I've always been a little lower on Derrick Henry than the consensus. But, you know, there are the fact that he showed no ill effects coming back from that foot injury, I think really makes him, uh, you know, he's 29. So there's some concern. But I think he's shown he's about as steady as you can get at that position. Dave, who you got? I'm hoping for a leap from Kenneth Walker. I love the rookie. I love what he did uh, when he had the opportunity to be the main back for Seattle. He averaged almost 16 PPR points per game from week six on, and that includes some major duds down the stretch. Maybe it was a little gassed by then. We know the Seahawks offensive line wasn't at its best by then. And we know that the Seattle offense, although they changed personnel considerably this year, I still think they want to be able to run the ball. I still think that's going to be the foundation of what they do. And Walker's got a chance to be... I think he can be a three-down back for them. Now, I don't know if he actually gets that opportunity. He did not get that opportunity very often this year, but I think he can get there. I think he's got potential to get around 1,700 total yards, dozen total touchdowns, catch the ball a little bit more. Uh, I'm expecting Seattle's offense to basically say the same, not change play callers, not change quarterback, maybe improve that offensive line a little bit. They have rookie starting tackles. Those guys are going to enter next year with a year's worth of experience, I think that's going to help a lot. So I'm buying into Walker, 22 years old, as the fifth running back on my board. Derrick Henry's sixth for me, too. And I just, the the dude's like a a beast of a man. Impossible to take down. Amazing numbers. And kind of along the lines of what I said about the Colts, I expect the Titans to do something to help their offensive line. It, It was in tatters this year. I mean, I don't know if I need to get into Taylor Lewan and how much time he continues to miss. And the starting guards were a mess and their starting center had two concussions and sat out the rest of the year. They need to rebuild that line. 
And if they do a good job of that now with new GM Rand Carthon making picks and Vrabel coaching them up, I, I feel good about Henry's chances to be maybe a little bit more explosive next year. And he's going to be 29 next year, and we yeah. usually head for the hills with 29-year-old running backs. But anybody who's watched Derrick Henry knows that he's a different guy. And it's almost the same thing that I said when I told people to take him with a top-five pick last year. He's a different guy. And until there's more evidence, and we'll look for it on film, but until there's more evidence of Henry himself slowing down, breaking down, I think we just keep riding it in fantasy. I still think he's worth a first half of the, well, maybe not the first half of the first round, but still worth a first round pick. If you just want to use yards per carry, then there's a lot of evidence. Two years in a row. And it could be that his offensive line has gotten worse, and it's probably a big I think part that's of it. A huge reason. For um, yes. But he hasn't been as consistently great as he's been in the past. But and it makes sense because he's getting older and he's had a ton of work. So I, I also have Henry's sixth. It's funny. We all have the same top four in a in a slightly different order. We all have Derrick Henry sixth. We all have three. We have three different running backs at five. Chris has Josh Jacobs, Davis, Ken Walker. I have Joe Mixon, but hate that, and we'll probably be changing that. <laughs> yeah, you're going to change. Continues that. to play like crap, but he had 60 catches in in 14 games or something like that. So that's a, a pretty and just pretty had big separator. So many green zone touches this yeah. year. I think he had like the third most in the NFL and turned them into nine touchdowns or whatever it was. It was wild how inefficient he was. You know, his workload and his opportunity and the offense he was on, if Joe Mixon had had a good year, he could have been the number one running back in fantasy. Absolutely. So something that's what's pulling me back to him. But gosh, every week where he just yeah, runs he just like may not crap. be that good. Yeah, maybe it's true. No, I think he's still good. I just think that the offense is it's not revolving around him nearly as much. But even it's, when it was, it's hard to watch Samaje Pirine step in and arguably outplay you and yeah, still yeah. do the like, man, Joe Mixon is this great player. Like, he's just, it doesn't matter really because the role is so good that he's going to be an RB1 either way. And he's number eight for me. So I, I'm not too far down, but it's just, we've been give, we've given him a lot of credit for uh-huh. being a very good runner that, you know, the results haven't really backed up for most of his career. A hundred percent agree. It's been a career long thing. That's, and, and, you know, anyway, I don't know how you'd average 3.9 yards per carry on this team facing <laughs> so many light boxes and so many advantageous situations, but he is still going to get a ton of work on a great offense. And he's going to catch matches. Yep. Anyway, so Mixon's in consideration for me, but I think yep. I'm going to tell you who I want at five and six right now because Henry scares me too. I want it to be Bijan Robinson and Brees Hall. You yeah. know, and I could see it being that for for many. You know, if Brees Hall's yeah. healthy and he looks good in the preseason, then he's gonna he's gonna skyrocket. If Bijan Robinson number seven for me, okay, yeah, he won't even go go that much higher. But it's just you don't know what to expect. Robinson is this phenom. He's gonna be probably a top ten pick. Good chance to be a top ten pick. A high prospect at running back. We know rookie running backs can be really good. So I think five and six are gonna be are gonna be changing a lot. Chris, you were gonna say something I think about Derrick Henry. Uh oh yeah he he rushed for almost 500 fewer yards in 2022 than he did in 2020 remember that year he rushed for 2027 yards he only averaged 1.9 PPR points per game less than that season which is pretty impressive because he nearly doubled his receiving total yeah he had 33 catches 398 yards that this season he didn't have any receiving touchdowns i think that's something that you can he almost you know, did yeah, I mean, the, he's he's always a threat. We've seen it a few times in his career to go for 70 yards on a screenplay. Didn't have any this season. Only 13 rushing touchdowns on 349 carries. 
I think it's a situation where the offense is likely to get better. He doesn't need to rush for five and a half yards per carry because the workload's so big, especially if he's going to catch. You know, it's only 33 passes, but hey, if you go from 19 to 33 receptions, that's the equivalent of rushing for about 300, 400 extra yards once you add in the, the receiving yardage with it. So I just think that's a really promising sign that he might age a little better than I hope than I was worried he would. Yeah. Um, before we take a break and get into DFS, I want to ask you guys, Dave, I guess specifically since you had him fifth, I look at yeah. two young running backs. They've been in the league for a different amount of times, but they have both one year under their belt. Um, you know, very talented. One was a, a first-round pick. One was, a, I think, a second-round pick. Um, sorry, I should know that. Ken Walker, second-round pick. Second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, drafted in similar ranges. Uh, both had great college careers. Why is everybody taking Walker over ETN? I mean, ETN, half a yard more per carry. I think he was better per catch. I wish they threw to him more, but they still threw Me to too. him. Me they, too. They still, he still had more catches than Walker. He didn't score as many touchdowns, but... I think you could argue he's a. I think you could argue easily that he's a better player. I think you could argue either way. So maybe we'll call that a wash. But we all, I think, have. Actually, I don't know about Chris, but I have Walker over ETN one spot. Dave obviously has Walker over ETN. Chris, do you? Right now, I have ETN ahead, but neither made my top twelve initially. Oh wow. Okay. So Dave, why did you put Ken Walker over ETN? Let's just finish with that little debate. Just because we've seen Walker in that that big dog role where he can rumble for touchdowns and he can also break away for long touchdowns. ETN can obviously do that too. I, my, my beef with ETN number one, it's, it's that he's a smaller running back, so he's not as physical. And number two, they didn't throw to him nearly as much as I thought they would this year. Now that can change, but they threw to him more than Ken Walker got thrown. to. They did throw to him more than Ken Walker, but how big was the difference? Not it that was like big. Six, three targets catches, per game versus two point three uh, or something. eleven catches. Um, Over in, but six, no, but in, or however many in games sorry, there. in three more games. Uh, ET, yeah, like three more games because they both like, left one game. The super profile early. for ETN coming out of Clemson was the dude's going to catch five passes a week, and he's going to be not a, a natural pass dynamo. catcher though. No, he's got he's got pretty pretty iffy hands. That that's the one thing that. You know, watching him in preseason especially kind of soured me on him. Is he just he wasn't as consistent as a pass catcher as, as I expected him to be? Sure, and maybe that's something that he works on. We've seen running backs improve on that as they get older. We know he can. We know he has experience doing it because we saw it in college. Is he is he the next Alvin Kamara? We've I've said that before. It's probably not going to happen like that, but he's got potential to be a good a good pass catching running back until we can see him like really start to be in that huge. He's already kind of been in that lead role for Jacksonville. Yeah, he they has, man. He was getting 20 I, I just, plus carries. I think I need every to see week. more catches and more Not touchdowns. Week, and when I see something like that, I'll love ETN. I'm not ready to project that quite yet. But if you want to talk about running backs in good spots where they're going to see light boxes, I'm I'm over the moon for what this Jacksonville passing game should look like next year because they've got everybody that they have now, plus they're going to have Calvin Ridley, and the offensive line should be better, and Trevor's going to be another year stronger as a quarterback. Yeah. Like, we're seeing him develop before our eyes now. So there's there, there's a case to be made for ETN to be a very good fantasy running back. Can better I than Walker, a, I'm not there yet. Can I give you guys an interesting stat about Kenneth Walker? I'm not sure how to feel about it. Yeah. 
he ranked 16th out of 48 qualifiers in rushing yards per attempt over expectation. This is per NFL next gen stats at 0.52. So above average, 16th out of 48 qualifiers. Yeah, not but that's great, still but not amazing, right? He had the in terms of his number percent of carries that went over expectation. Only 33.5% oh, right. were he gained more yards than expected. The second lowest rate among qualifiers. I think he was only ahead of James Robinson. Yep. So super, super boomer bust player. But the fact that he was relatively efficient while having a bunch of carries that he didn't really get much out of, if he can just kind of be a little bit more efficient on a per carry basis and keep the home run plays. I mean, he reminds me a little of Jonathan Walk or Jonathan Taylor in that yep. way, where he's got the ability to you know, kind of make your week with one run. And there aren't a lot of running backs who can do that. And so, you know, the other thing that I would say in his favor relative to Travis Etienne is we did at least see, I think, one or two games where Kenneth Walker was relied on pretty heavily in the passing game. He had that nine-target game uh, at one point. I don't think Etienne really ever had any big target games. No, he, he had, didn't. like, was his what, what was his season high in targets? Like five, five or six? Five. Yeah, and so that only happened twice. That makes me think that maybe there's a little more upside you know what's Walker. funny about that, actually, now looking at it? Those five, those two games with five targets and one game with four targets, they all came with James Robinson. After the Robinson trade, he never had more than three targets in a game because they were using him more as a rusher. Yeah, Walker had the one eight-target game and then another with five. So I just, yeah. I wonder if, like, there, there's a little more room for some upside as a pass catcher with Kenneth Walker. Yeah, and then I, I just say, like, okay, I know he's had some drops. I know he didn't get a ton of targets this year, but he was an incredible weapon in the passing game in college and Walker wasn't. Yeah. So I just think, you know, I, I mean, I have Walker ahead cause I think he's more of a prototypical guy that can carry the workload. You're right about the ETN size, Dave. I'm, he did have five games, including the playoffs with more than with 19 or more carries, but it just doesn't feel like that kind of player. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just thought it was kind of an interesting comparison because ETN except for touchdowns, I would say he had a more encouraging season. Um, also, uh, on that Ken Walker note, this is why, I mean, like advanced stats are fun, but you gotta, you gotta take them with a grain of salt, right? So, um, this is kind of the same thing that Chris was mentioning. There were 42 running backs that had a hundred or more carries and he had the second worst percentage of carries for zero or negative yards. Second highest percentage of carries for ne zero or negative yards only. But yeah, but, but here are some other players who are in the bottom 13. All right. McCaffrey, Eckler, Pollard, Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, Dalvin Cook. They all were bad. He was worse, I'm, but they were I'm all bad. I'm surprised Saquon Barkley's not on there because that's the profile that, that makes me think of him as well. Saquon yeah. Barkley, for most of his NFL career, has been a lot of one, two-yard carries and then the home run. Yep. Yeah. Is there a lot of players that are like that? Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing if you have, like Kenneth Walker does, you know, 4-4 four, four speed. You know, if you have four three five speed like Jonathan Taylor, then you could like it's it's bad if you're David Montgomery. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. right, right. All right, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we will have, we have a trivia question from Dave, which I've already gotten wrong, and we've got uh, we'll talk about the Baltimore offense with Greg Roman stepping down, and we'll give you our DFS lineups. Take a look at the weather for the weekend, and uh, some players you might want put want to put in your DFS lineups, and I promise player props. I forgot to do them. So I hope you guys, Dave, did you? I've got a bunch. Whew, okay. Um, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. 
Ready for some trivia, Chris? Yes. All right, Here we Dave, go. Go for it. 148 players in the National Football League ran at least 250 routes. Which wide receiver ran the lowest percentage of routes of 11-plus yards? So we're staying tethered to the line of scrimmage here. Which wide receiver ran the lowest percentage, meaning the highest percentage of short routes? First thought was uh, Keenan Allen or oh, what was the other guy I was thinking of? Amon Ross St. Brown. I said Richie James. So I knew Daniel Jones didn't throw the ball downfield much, and Richie James doesn't, but I was wrong. So uh, is Chris right? Nope. Okay. Who is neither? That? Neither guess was correct. But this does tie into Brees Hall. Okay, so Garrett Wilson? No way. No, oh, definitely not Garrett uh, Wilson. No, no, no. Braxton. It doesn't tie into Brees Hall's team. Okay. It ties into his injury. Oh, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin. Uh, now, Godwin's been running short routes since forever, but it stood out to me that Godwin was the worst among wide receivers on those short area routes, which made him great as a short area target for Brady. It's what helped him become a, a great PPR wide receiver, but he wasn't really good in non-PPR. Everybody who had him in non-PPR knows that. So one of the topics, and I've talked about this, we really need to look at how players have done coming back from the ACL. And yeah. I, we got to apply it to Brees Hall. And, and again, every player is different. Just because the last six running backs that tore an ACL took a year to get back into form or whatever, that might be the case. It might not be the case with Brees Hall. We had two running backs come back for Achilles injuries in the NFL this year. One of them started the year strong and then faded. And then the other one was terrible to be in the year and then finished the year strong. Everybody's different. But I, that piece of trivia stood out to me, and then I wanted to tie that into to Brees Hall and the ACL tear. And Javante Williams, too. He also tore his ACL. Why limit it to just Brees Hall? No, Williams, Is his ACL more special than Javante Williams' ACL, Adam? Yeah, I mean, no, it's not. Thank you. The Javante versus Brees Hall thing is really interesting because Brees Hall, obviously, his was what a month later in yeah. the calendar. But yeah, against I just Denver, think he's a much better. I think he's a much better player than Javante Williams. Was it? Oh yeah, saw. yeah. I think yeah. he's a much better player than most running backs. Wasn't it against Denver that he tore his ACL? That that could be right. Pretty sure. Maybe. Um, yeah. Hack it. So Nathaniel Hack. Maybe Busting not. Everybody. Maybe not. Yes, it was. I'm just going to blame Nathaniel. Eggett. Four carries, 72 yards, and a touchdown at Denver in his last. Yeah, game I mean, he just season. he looked like a legit, like a Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor level talent, and that's what a lot of the scouting reports and a lot of the you know advanced analytics from him in college suggested he would be. So, I, I just I saw enough to think that as long as he recovers from that ACL, he's going to be a special, special player. Okay, thank you for the trivia question, Dave Richard. And Yay. news and notes, Baltimore offensive coordinator Greg Roman, I don't know if he stepped down or if he was fired. They said he stepped down. Port was, I don't, Mutually whatever. agreed to part ways. There you go. Uh, yeah, so he's out, and Lamar Jackson, we'll see what happens. Franchise tag, trade, long-term extension. They really they went over the top. They did. In their press conference to make it sound like he was staying. It takes they said two. he's going to have a hand in picking the next It takes two to tango, Dave. It takes two. Oh, you don't think... First of all, if they decide they want him, they've got the franchise tag. 
Yeah, but if, if I don't see Lamar Jackson not signing the franchise tag and leaving that kind of money no. on the table He'll with a to chance sign. to still get another payday after. But he's, he's going to be the Ravens quarterback next year. We saw a quarterback within the last two years sign an extension and then hold out for a full season before he played a game on that extension. Who was that? Deshaun Watson. No. Obviously, um, the circumstances there were a little different, out. but he was he was he he was not playing before. He was not. Play- wasn't a holdout though. He wasn't. Yeah. Usually, when you hold out, that implies that you're on. Sure, sure, yeah. Contract. Yeah. All right. Well, is this a good thing or a bad thing for Lamar Jackson? Greg Roman stepping down or <laughs> fired, whatever. <laughs> fired down. I think it's good. I think getting somebody who can give like a, a fresh mindset on what this offense could be uh, is, is a step forward. Maybe they were a little too predictable. Perhaps it was Roman who was telling other coaches, we don't need wide receivers. We can win with what we've got. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they. I'll tell you one thing. I don't think they did a very good job adjusting to life after Lamar Jackson this year until their playoff game. And even that, Ended up burning them. On the, yeah, I th- I think it's as simple as a, a new pair of eyes probably can't hurt at this point. I think that offense had stagnated. I think you know what we saw in the MVP season, they tried to replicate, and I think it's a situation where look, Lamar Jackson, his production this season was very tied to Rashad Bateman's availability, and so I, I think even though Rashad Bateman's not necessarily a stud number one wide receiver yet. You know, we saw a significant decrease in his production when Rashad Bateman got hurt. So I do think this is a situation where getting Lamar Jackson more help in the passing game can only help. And I don't think Rashad Bateman losing uh, Greg Roman is going to hurt necessarily. All right. So let's take a look at the weekend slate here. We've got four games. And on Saturday, it is Jacksonville at the Chiefs at 430. That's on NBC. The Chiefs are nine point favorites. The total is 52 and a half. That's the highest of the slate. Also Saturday night, the Giants are at the Eagles. The Eagles are seven and a half point favorites. This game is on Fox. Giants uh, and Eagles have a forty-eight point total. Bengals and Bills have a forty-nine point total. The Bills are five and a half point favorites. I've already wagered both the money line and the spread on the Bengals uh, plus five and a half. Uh, that, so now everyone knows what to do. I think the spread is. I think the five and a half points is because of Jonah Williams. Um, you know, and obviously their offensive line is is in shambles right now. I get it. The Bills, since the Von Miller injury, have had the 22nd best pass rush or pressure rate in the NFL. That's before the playoff game. I don't know what it was in the playoff game, but uh, since the Von Miller injury through the end of the regular season, they really haven't had a very good pass rush. I'm not saying it won't be a factor, but I don't think they can cover the Bengals. But anyway, more on that. Uh, in a bit, and the cow and that game's on CBS, and the Cowboys and the 49ers are at 6:30 on Sunday. On Fox and the Cowboys are four point underdogs. The total there is forty six and a half. As Chris mentioned, that's the lowest point total of the weekend, but still forty six and a half. So we're expecting a lot of points. Um, yeah. All right. So that I thought that was interesting from a DFS standpoint, guys. Uh, and you look at the weather too. It doesn't seem like there's going to be anything too impactful. The Buffalo and Kansas City games are probably going to be in the thirties. With some, I thought I saw a little bit of snow, maybe. Yeah, a little bit of game, snow and, and maybe some true. rain too, but like some precip- precipitation, but nothing's going to stick. Uh, you know, no, not a lot of wind. Eagles game is going to be uh, again the f- maybe around forty degrees, almost no chance of rain. The 49ers game is in San Francisco. It's going to be about fifty degrees or so. Very little chance of rain there. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, Dave. It's just like I don't. 
how do you differentiate yourself? Because I, I think there's so many good offensive options this week. I, I don't know if you really focus on differentiating yourself. Uh, obviously, that's something that you want to do if you're playing in a tournament. <laughs> I, I, I think what the the easiest thing to do is to not follow the players who were great last week and are in a matchup again this week where you just immediately look and you say, okay, they should be great again. And you see like Dak going up against San Francisco. I think the general public views the 49ers defense as a dominant unit, and they are very good. I'm not sure if people are willing to trust Dak Prescott there. I would. Uh, People might be willing to trust Daniel Jones because of that rushing potential, but general public knows what the defense is like for the Eagles. I don't know if they're going to be ready to go in and follow Daniel Jones again. I think you'll probably see a lot of lineups that have Brock Purdy at quarterback because he's inexpensive, and then they'll be strong at other positions. McCaffrey will probably be in there, so some sort of 49er stack. And I think you'll see a lot of lineups that are going to be either Bengal stacks because they see what you see, Adam, in that matchup against Buffalo, or uh, Chief stacks where they'll use Mahomes with – some combination of McKinnon, Tony, and Kelsey, and they roll with what seems to be tried and true and safe with those two teams. Chris, how do you see it? I think there are there's one fairly obvious play at quarterback that I think's you know I would expect Trevor Lawrence to be one of the highest uh, rostered quarterbacks given the seventy six hundred dollar yeah. price tag and you know a matchup that is likely to skew pass heavy against the Chiefs and, you know, a team that gave up the 31st or the second most points to opposing quarterbacks. So I think that's a situation where Trevor Lawrence feels really good. And I think, you know, it's harder with the wide receivers. I, I think I would go Zay Jones over uh, Christian Kirk just to save some money. But, you know, I think both of those guys are in play. And I, it kind of depends, like, I'm going cheap at running back and I'm doubling up on Eagles running backs in my lineup, as we'll mm-hmm. talk about later. Uh, just because that's the one that I could see turning into a blowout the easiest. I think, yeah, I think the Eagle, I think running back is really tough this week. Yes. I don't, there aren't a lot that I really like. And I'm, I, I'm a little scared of Christian McCaffrey. I'm with that's not one. Actually, I, that's one that I think he's just going to be such a focal point for them. Um, that I, I do think I want to get him in my lineup. I want to get McCaffrey and I want to get Kelsey in my lineup, which is hard. It's not easy. Uh, but, those those guys, you know, in positions where I just don't feel great about them. Wide receivers deep. We like wide receiver this week. Quarterback mm-hmm. is deep. To me, the the only quarterback I don't want to play is Daniel Jones. And like I said, that makes the Giants the the most contrarian stack. You know, yeah. if they can put up points, the Eagles' defense wasn't as great down the stretch as it was earlier in the year. Uh, the Giants' offense is playing a little bit better. They actually, I feel like they moved the ball fairly well in Week 18 with Davis Webb and all the wide receivers sitting. You they know? did. Right, yeah, so there's did. some pretty well had some good runs. Webb had. Some I mean, it was plays. a weird game, but the Eagles had everything to play for. The Giants sat yep, so many their starters players. played. Eagles starters played on D. So I can right. see they it, just I'm they just played there. really poorly. It was a weird, weird game on both sides of the ball for the Eagles. I don't know what to take from it. And that's the thing we don't know about Jalen Hurts. But if you could tell me that Jalen Hurts was 100 percent healthy, I think they they oh. light up the Giants, and I'd go with an Eagles stack for sure. Like. If I'm if I'm going into a tournament, that's the stack I think that's I want to play. My DraftKings okay. stack, yeah. Because you can either good for you. You can either you can either win the whole thing because there's so much risk 
with Hertz. We don't know what type of Hertz we're going to get. He claims he's back to normal. He effectively said that this week. He's not on the injury report. Being back to normal and then also being in a position where he's going to run for two touchdowns and throw for two touchdowns. I don't know if that's the same exact thing. So okay. he might cost you, but he's the one with the most reward, if you ask me, of all the quarterbacks this week. All right. So then let me let's do like kind of a, a list here of of big overarching questions. What's your favorite stack? I took the Cowboys. I wanted to try and pick one that wouldn't be so obvious or so popular. Uh McCaffrey, Lamb Schultz. Okay. Not McCaffrey, I, I'm sorry. McCaffrey's in my lineup too. He's the bring back. Prescott Lamb Schultz. Chris, I think 49ers, you know, I, the, the problem is I don't know who is going to be good. So I'd rather just not pay up for Christian McCaffrey, given the workload concerns that I've, that I've talked about with Elijah Mitchell healthy. But I think having Brock Purdy, like I think Brock Purdy is going to be pretty good for fantasy because he's got so many weapons. And I think, you know, you can get Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk for relatively cheap. I don't know which of them is going to be featured or be very good in any given game, but they're both such good players that I, I just kind of want exposure to that. And I like basically every single stack, except for the Giants, which is the contrarian stack, but I really feel like we're just going to have a ton of offense. And I wouldn't play the the Cowboys running backs, but like Prescott Lamb Schultz is like Dave's doing. That's great. But if I had to pick one, it's Eagles for upside, and I would say Bengals. I'm just very high on them uh, this week. I, I think... I don't think they're going to run the ball that much or that efficiently. So I think uh, the the Bills have have coverage issues, in my opinion, and Bengals. Yeah, and then you could you can throw Gabe Davis in there, who's pretty cheap, like to kind of reverse the stack. The contrarian stack for me is the Giants. Do you guys see a, a another contrarian stack? I think the Cowboys actually would qualify, Dave. Uh, I don't know how many people are maybe. going to be on them. Yeah, I don't know, like. Jaguars too, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't know if the Jaguars are a contrarian stack because I think Trevor Lawrence's price and the matchup make him a pretty obvious play. But you know, like Zay Jones and Evan Ingram could be a contrarian stack that a lot of people aren't going to have. Right. Um, all right. Who's the uh, like a must-have player or a great bargain? Someone that you think is going to be in a lot of your lineups? Kelsey. Uh, Debo for me. Debo, how come? Just because he's the seventh-priced wide receiver, and I think he's going to be given a platform to play well. Cowboys' run defense is really good, too. So my guess is that the 49ers don't lean on McCaffrey as a pure running back. They don't lean on Debo as a pure running back. Of course those guys are going to get work. Debo had three carries last week. But Debo's a yak machine, and I think he's got a chance to really be like what I talked about with Jalen Hurts. He's got the upside to be just absolutely amazing and then that cowboys defense you know they started out great but in the second half of the season especially against in the past you know they ended up being 28th in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers this season yeah and they, they lost a key cornerback and things went downhill um for me i i really i mean i said it last week and it i'm going back to gabe davis guys josh allen has thrown nine passes of 35 or more air yards in his last two games he threw 17 in his first 15 games. So he's airing it out, and Gabe Davis is benefiting. And the Bengals, if you look at the Bengals, they have faced, I think, one good quarterback this year, and it was Mahomes. <laughs> and he threw 27 passes and didn't have a great game, 20 points. They have had the easiest quarterback schedule because even when they face teams with good quarterbacks, they've gotten the backups. 
They knocked out Tua in the second quarter, and it's unbelievable. Uh, so I don't yeah. think their defense is anything special. I mean, I think it's solid, but I don't see a reason why the, why Josh Allen can't have a big game, and I think Gabe Davis will benefit. So he is not even a top 10 wide receiver in price on either FanDuel or DraftKings. And then you mentioned Zay Jones, Chris. Uh, basically, every time Trevor Lawrence throws a lot, like more than 37 passes, yep. Zay Jones this is, is good. A great stat. And the Chiefs yep. see the second most pass attempts in the NFL. Maybe it's the third most. I don't see a scenario where Trevor Lawrence is not throwing a lot. Yep. So Zay Jones is even cheaper than Gabe Davis. So those are guys you could use there. Any players that you want to avoid like the plague, like I said about uh, DK Metcalf last week, which was the dumbest thing I've ever said, which is <laughs> saying something. You know, I, so my, me? my initial thought was Isaiah Pacheco, and I still want to stay away from him. Um, but, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire doesn't look like he's going to play now. So that that changes he's that not, a little bit. Not. Reed said um, he wasn't going to play. But what about even Ronald then, Jones? Just, what about Ronald Jones, Chris? What I the hell think was when that? The, when the games matter, it's going to be McKinnon. Yeah. And so I, I, I think Pacheco, like his over under is 53 and a half. I did a parlay with under rushing yards for him over receiving yards for Jarek McKinnon okay. in that one. Yeah. No, Ronald Jones was a big deal in week 18. It was so weird. I don't think probably nobody paid attention, but, uh, yeah, you got two straight games with like seven to nine carries for Isaiah yeah. Pacheco. He has scored in both of them. Dave, who are you avoiding? Giants, basically. Um, don't feel good about anybody, even Saquon Barkley. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, maybe, just because I think he can return three times value, but I don't think he's got the upside to do what he did last week. Richie James, maybe, because I think he can bounce back a little bit from what he did last week. Um, one of those guys will probably end up being in my lineup, but I really am nervous about the Giants' offense which we, we talked about earlier this week, looked amazing versus Minnesota twice and schematically did some nice things against Philadelphia in week 18. I'm nervous about them stepping up and doing it again against a good defense in Philadelphia. So you probably know this better than I would, but Avante Maddox is out for the Eagles. Gardner Johnson. So he's going to be their slot guy? He's going to be their slot guy. Okay. So I, I mean, I'd like to avoid the outside receivers against the Eagles, but in my Eagles stack, I do have Richie James. Mm-hmm. Just, Me too. You know, it's kind of this philosophy in fantasy, in DFS. If you're going to stack a team, you throw a wide receiver on the opponent because you're figuring, all right, this team's going to score a lot, so we want the opponent. They're going to have to throw a lot. So you go Eagles stack with a Giants wide receiver. You go Cowboys stack with a wide receiver for the Niners, that that kind of deal. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a, a major avoid player, but I think probably Zeke and Pollard. It just this run defense is just incredible. And... You know, Zeke could always be, score. Pollard yeah. could always catch passes, but I don't see it. Pollard qualifies as one of those super high upside players who won't be popular. Yeah. Zeke qualifies as a unpopular low upside player. <laughs> so no one's yeah, going mean, to use him. The path no one should Zeke feel is, good using him. It's multiple touchdowns. That's the only path to being. It's uh, the only right. Yeah. What are the odds of that? It seems a little shaky. So before I forget, Dave uh, and Chris as well, you already gave one prop. Um, we'll do lineups after this, but give me uh, some player props that, that you like. I'm going to give you the player props that I'm not going to give on our early edge player props live stream, which we do live every Friday, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We've been doing it all year. Don't ask how I did last week. Ask how I did the week before, though. That was pretty good. Uh, Zay Jones, over 54 and a half receiving yards. You talked about it, Adam. 
Uh, I think that he's going to be involved. Richie James over four and a half catches, especially since he didn't get there last week. I think people are going to be nervous to take him. The odds are actually better this week than last week. Uh, I was going to say Saquon Barkley under 15 and a half rush attempts. And I'm a little too nervous to call that one a great player prop, but I, I think that there's a chance that he gets game planned out of this. And there's been a lot of games, including last week, where he didn't get 16 plus rushes this season. I think you're on to uh, something there. That's three games in a row for him. And they're all wins, by the way. But yeah, so, exactly. Like they are a passing uh, team now. They are a passing team. Joe Mixon over 12 and a half rush attempts. I just think that number's too low. I know Mixon hasn't gotten there lately. I just wonder if he ends up getting a little bit more work. He might. It might be a, a tough watch with that. He might only get 13. Uh, and Dak over one and a half passing touchdowns, minus 129. Okay, I'm doing the Zay Jones 52 and a half receiving yards right now. What are the odds that you're getting on that? Minus 104, basically even. Yeah, so I'm seeing it on a, yeah. I, I so It used to be, so this is interesting, it was 54 and a half. Now... You said it. It's 52 and 52 a half. 52 and a half. Yeah. No, I really like Zay. I mean, I like the passing game for the Jaguars, I think. Yeah, this is a good one. I'm excited about this one. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Let me see what Gabe Davis's are real quick. And then Chris, uh, let's see, player props for the Bills-Bengals game, receiving yards. This is on Caesars. For Gabe Davis, it is 57 and a half. Um, I almost <laughs> doesn't it feel like he's the type of player that's either going to get like three catches for 40 <laughs> or five catches for 179 yards and, and two or touches. three catches for 170. I'm going to take the over. Uh, let's do it. Let's go over on Gabe Davis, 57 and a half, but that's not, I'm much more signing off on the gate on the uh, Zay Jones one than the Gabe Davis one. Chris uh, props you like. Uh, the only one that I mentioned was the under Pacheco over uh, under Pacheco rushing over McKinnon receiving. That's the only one I've got in so far. Okay. All right. So how about some lineups here? Uh, I've got FanDuel and DraftKings. I don't know what you guys have. I've got two DraftKings. Chris? I've got FanDuel. All right. So why don't we do FanDuel first? Go ahead, Chris. What's your FanDuel lineup? Yeah, I'm going with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Uh, Travis Etienne at running back. I don't love that one. It was just kind of the last guy that fit. Uh, Boston Scott, just going with a little narrative street, nine touchdowns and eight career games against the Giants. Why not? You need you need someone cheap. Uh, wide receivers, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. So taking advantage of the uh, Cowboys' uh, defensive issues in the secondary. Richie James is my flex. Uh, Travis Kelsey is my tight end, and I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles defense uh paying up for the defense there yeah it's hard to pay up for that defense on FanDuel yes I had to juggle some things around that's why I ended up with Travis Etienne I'm not sure how I feel about that but I do feel like there is definitely some implosion potential here for uh Daniel Jones against a very good defense they've done a remarkable job of avoiding that though I'm being 100% honest. I don't really like my FanDuel lineup that much. It's a 50-50 lineup. I like my DraftKings lineup more. It's got more upside. My FanDuel lineup, um, I did struggle a bit with here. So, so you know, I, honestly, there are weeks where I just don't play because I, you know, I'm not going to lose. Smart. Right? So, just being honest with you. But my lineup is, how about this? You like 49ers? I've got Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and Elijah Mitchell. Those are my three, my top three there. Um, then... The wide receivers are Chase, Higgins, Gabe Davis. So that's obviously a strength. Travis Kelsey, 
Marvin Jones is my Boston Scott, basically. He's Marvin Jones and the Giants DST, the cheapest one. The only way I could get Chase Higgins, Gabe Davis, Travis Kelsey, basically. So uh, Purdy is a really good value on FanDuel. He's the cheapest of the quarterbacks. I think he's going to be pretty popular. But I put Kelsey in my lineup before anyone and uh, made a lineup around him. All right, Dave, let's go to DraftKings. What's your, give me your DraftKings lineups. I've got two. First is the cash game lineup. Fast forward 30 seconds if you want the tournament lineup. Dak at quarterback, McCaffrey, and Miles Sanders at running back. He's running against the Giants. Their run defense isn't that good. CeeDee Lamb with the, with the stack with Dak. Debo Samuel, Richie James, they're in my lineups as well. Dalton Schultz at tight end. Kadarius Toney has upside. Yeah. 4,100 too. So he's in my lineup, and I took the Bills DST at 2900 now the lineup that's got all kinds of like upside tournament play i built this while we were on the air jalen hurts a quarterback stacking him with Devonte smith and that's it for philadelphia no aj brown no dallas goddard etn and pollard at running back debo samuel and gabe davis at wide receiver and i'm going with the double tight ends just because they're so cheap but i think they also have potential to have huge games dalton schultz and evan ingram at tight end and flex, and the Bills' defense there uh, at 2,900. But I could flip to any DST I want. So I think I am. I'm going to put Philly's defense in there instead. All right, Chris, DraftKings lineup? I only have FanDuel. Oh, I'm sorry. All right, my DraftKings lineup is Jalen Hurts, who's the third most expensive quarterback on DraftKings. And, you know, if Jalen Hurts is right, he's facing the Giants. Giants have been so bad against quarterbacks, uh, including, gosh, what Jalen Hurts did to the Giants when he was right in New York— Holy cow. He, they, they scored like 40-something points. So Hurts, McCaffrey, McKinnon, Devontae Smith, Zay Jones, Richie James, Dallas Goddard, Gabe Davis, and the Chiefs DST. So this lineup, I mean, I feel like this is a really good lineup if Jalen Hurts is right because I got Hurts, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. I got McCaffrey and McKinnon. Uh, Zay Jones, we know we like him. Richie James and Gabe Davis, you know, I like him. And the Chiefs DST. Uh, so that's my DraftKings lineup. Um, both of those are in 50-50s. That one is kind of more of a, a tourney type of lineup. I'm just going to say tourney now so people don't make fun of me. And uh, They're still going to make fun of you. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. So I, I just sit back and enjoy an awesome week of uh, of football. It should be great. Hopefully we have four great games, you know, but I think we'll probably have three. For, uh, for Dave and Chris, I am Adam. Thanks, and for Schaefer. Uh, Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday to recap the games and talk some fantasy impact later. Later.